Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, zip up your leather pants, slap on the clown paint, and don't forget to eat something light as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I am one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hello there. Hey. How are things in Wadsworth? Things in Wadsworth. Um, they're okay. I was trying to think if I had anything interesting to add in here, like any any tidbits about anything I'm doing, but I really don't. Like, there's nothing going on. Uh, right. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem, is um, Traveling about is curtailed. Yeah, still. I, I mean, as of this recording, I'm editing uh, the Mothman Legacy to the best of my abilities, but it's like a really weird edit. And I, I think I've told you, like, I have the the hardest part about it is just trying to. I don't know what the hardest part. It's hard to put it into words. I I cannot concentrate for extended periods of time, and mm-hmm. so I have work I can do, and I'm doing the work. But it's like I have to fight. I'm not used to having to like push myself to to concentrating work. But yeah, uh, I'll like I'll work for an hour and then I'll be like, I wonder what's going on online. And then I'll look at my phone and then like next thing you know, I'm just sitting staring at my phone. I'm like, what am I doing? Like get back to work. And then yeah. like, and it's a really weird. It's weird because I've got like I said, I have work. We have six of the interviews done, and and I'm and I'm kind of trying to you know focus on those things but yeah i I don't know what the i don't know what the deal is it's a very it's a very strange thing i just can't seem to focus in on the project i know what it is it's that if i had the all the pieces together or or at least the interviews in your b-roll i would be i'd be it'd be no problem it'd be a typical stm shoot or edit but i think the problem is i've only got like half the movie in front of me so i'm not I'm working with half the movie and I have to like, I leave these weird, huge pauses between interviews because there's, yeah. I don't have the pieces that need to go there to tell right. the story. It's just, it's strange. How's things, how's things with you? Oh, it's sort of weirdly. There's a weird new routine mm. that's replaced the old. Okay. So that's, that's comforting for me in a way because I, you know, I am able to go to the office every day. Um, keep somewhat of a regular schedule but i don't know I, I i guess you know i do what i need to do but i find myself coming home and then just finding something else to do like just a busy work type thing just yeah. to be occupied doing something mm-hmm. and that's been broken up with projects that we've been working on which that that's been very welcome mm-hmm. and sort of an imaginative escape but um yeah otherwise it's been good uh, all everyone in my general circle of family and friends is been healthy and safe so that's been 
uh, a plus as well. Yeah, I think I think it would be. It's funny. Sometimes I think it'd be a lot easier if 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 I wasn't a dad because I think you would just be able to like drift into video games and yeah sleeping and mm-hmm. you know, but then at the same time i think like uh I, like i came home from t- from work today and like we played outside and uh, you know like you just do there's a lot of, yeah being a dad I, I guess like how's how's it like this is probably too personal but how's he how's it with andy like is is that how it i mean is he in his own little world or well the the thing that the strange thing with him is you know he was homeschooled for you know five plus years mm-hmm. and then uh went started going high school to brick and mortar school and now in a sense he's back homeschooling again at least distance learning mm-hmm. you know so it's not quite the same and he knows what to do and is very self-motivated to get things done but that's been a, a that was probably the hardest part of his transition in this whole time period is going back to that after not after you know getting used to a, a daily routine and teachers that he really uh, gelled to as far as their you know their teaching style and content and so forth but he in now with the the most recent announcement that the end of the year uh, school is scrubbed it's not happening yeah um, fortunately he's not a senior you know he's junior year but um, that's gonna hang over his head I think throughout his senior year is Am I going to get to do the whole thing? You know, I think it's inescapable at this point. You know, every every kid who's old enough to remember this is going to think, "Is am I going to go to the whole year of school this year, or is that even going to be what we do mm-hmm. from now on? Will it be some hybrid of distance learning and then going to a physical school? You know, it's just everything is so upturned right now, just turned over, and nobody really knows what is going to happen. And I guess that's where I think. All in all, things are okay because we've been able to establish a type of home routine, and um, that's really important right now. Like you said, you know, you you divide your day between work and then um, special attention to your your child. Yeah, and that's that's important for them and for you, for us, uh, to have a sense that we do we're part of providing that framework right. and normalcy. So, um, it's it's a, a different scenario for sure. It, We're living through historical times, yeah, and I, um, I could have gone without that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we, so so we wanted to do this episode, but we didn't really have a, a a topic. But we do have emails. Although I don't want this to be the big listener email episode. I I want. To get so many emails at monsteropolismail at gmail.com that we have an episode that's just like 20 emails. So in this episode, we've got like four things we're going to discuss, which were submitted by people, um, all of which I'm going to have you read because you're the one that, that doesn't uh, stammer through through reading things. No, um, no watch me. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah. want to start us off with like one of our okay. listener mid- Oh, and and yep. we are live on Facebook right now. So if you're in the Facebook Live, um, I'm monitoring comments. So if you have something you want to ask or throw in the comments section uh, for us to discuss on this episode, go ahead and do it, and we will get to that as well. So don't be don't be afraid to toss comments in there. All right. Well, our first 
email is from Mike, and it says, Hello, gents. I caught the live taping of the show yesterday. Thanks for giving us a peek behind the curtain. I enjoyed it. Your Monongi discussion prompted a memory of a peculiar petroglyph I read about while researching for a chapter of my book. It is among a large grouping called the Smith's Ferry Petroglyphs near East Liverpool, Ohio, close to where the Little Beaver Creek meets the Ohio River. Archaeologists believe the Monongahela oh, people. No. See, there you go. <laughs> Monongahela people, 1050 to 1635, created them. In the early 20th century, the construction of a dam caused the Ohio River water level to rise, flooding the area of the glyphs. Before that, they were a major local attraction. Lewis and Clark even mentioned them in their journals from the Corps of Discovery expedition. The native art was last visible during a drought in the winter of 1960. James Swagger describes most of the carvings in his book, Petroglyphs of Ohio. Most of the etchings are crude portrayals of animals, tracks of various types, and native warriors. Others are quite weird. Swagger does not discuss figure one in his book, but I've included it because it looks to me to be a man holding a shield and sword or dagger. I wonder what this per particular carving represents. The English and French were using firearms by the time they began exploring North America. Maybe people in this region got word of early conquistador activities in South America. Could it have been a Viking? The Norse settlement at Lance uh, Meadows, Nova Scotia, dates to approximately 1,000 years ago. I don't know, but it's interesting nonetheless. Figure 2 is described by Swagger as being a human with quote-unquote superior powers. The triangle-shaped representation on his head is a power symbol. It looks to me like he has paws, but Swagger's book doesn't say anything else about this figure. The last one is the reason I'm writing this email. Swagger says that it is a mythological creature with a horse head and a fish-like body. It appears the native origin theory of Manangi and Ogwa folklore may be credible. Anyway, I thought you might find this relevant. I'm looking forward to Tuesday's episode. My 13-year-old and I have started a new tradition. We build a backyard fire and toast marshmallows while enjoying the show. And that's again from Mike. Oh no, I've let him down. <laughs> Forgot to post the show today. Um, I'm looking at. The, I'm trying to download all the images he sent. So he actually sent these uh, etchings or whatever you call them. Had you ever heard of this before? No, this is completely new. I mean, this very is very cool. Very crazy. Like the thing, the one that seems to be like the the creature with the unicorn horn growing out of its head. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's, I don't know if that shows up or not. Right. But for Facebook people, yeah, there's kind of what that's representing. That's the power figure, I think, yeah. that's being described there. It's funny. And that's a shame, too. I mean, that it's, I guess, evidently not visible today because of the water level. Yeah. With Ohio, I think so often you don't... Uh, you don't um, you don't think of there being like a long bizarre history or like some of this more esoteric history connected to Ohio. You know, like I think of Alton, Illinois and the, the, uh, the, the Piasaw. I was trying to remember how to pronounce it. I was going to say Piazza and then I realized it's not that, um, the, the Piasaw and, and you've, you've got that in a lot of states around the country in Ohio. I just don't think of it in those terms like with that i don't know if it's because i'm from here but there is like 
There are mysteries connected. I mean, we've talked about a lot of them. We've talked about the mounds and, and the giants and, and all that kind of stuff. And, I mean, you've got the serpent mound down in, in southern Ohio where we went to when we were filming uh, the Ohio Night Stalkers episode of On the Trail of Bigfoot. Uh, there's some really weird stuff connected with that place. There's the – what's the mound that you talked about on the episode we did? Oh, yeah, the Newark Earth earthworks yeah and yeah and that that's where those is that the same place where those tablets were found that you and i got to go see yeah they were taken out of the out of some of the mounds there mm-hmm. and then displayed in kashakton at the museum yeah the holy stones yeah allegedly yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean there's a vast history in ohio mm-hmm. of mound builders and so forth that's one thing that andy has done with a lot of extra time on his hands is he's able to do research that he wants to do and there's a place called indian point that is very near our house that turns out has a long history and uh, some very evidently some very ancient culture is responsible for mounds and ridges not just you know a stone's throw from our house basically we're just kind of learning all this Mm -hmm. because of the research that he's put into it so it's pretty interesting you'll have to come check it out sometime i want to come up there actually i just found out about paintsville falls which i didn't know was a thing oh yeah i didn't yeah. yes indeed and i like to there's a bigfoot sighting at Payne's falls back in the day really yeah is how where's can you describe what, the, what that area is like is that well the yeah i mean the up here in lake county um there's a surprisingly deep at points uh river gorge it's the grand river and the grand river cuts this winding path on the way to lake erie that ultimately dumps out in fairport harbor Mm -hmm. but um there's just amazing hiking opportunities and um canoeing and and kayaking and stuff lots of fishing going on in the grand river it flooded back in uh early 2000s and just wiped out a bunch of condominiums hmm. that uh, people that we knew lived in those. They had to be rescued out of their second-story window of their condo wow. in a, a like a rowboat because that's how high the water level had gotten. But uh, all that is to say, it, it's very beautiful and scenic and and just not um, I don't know very unheralded I guess as far as other uh, scenic areas in Ohio are concerned. So it's sort of a, a down on the down low type of area but it's really fun to explore and you know remember um andy's short that he made for the film uh, hell hollow yeah that's part of this whole grand river valley oh, wow. is is this huge staircase that goes down you know hundreds and hundreds of feet down to the river hmm. level it's filmed down there i will say that part of ohio it gets it gets a uh, a lot more rugged than than people might expect in some of those areas even right inside of or just on the outskirts of the city um because c- that all kind of connects to cleveland i mean i always think mm-hmm. of it as just an extension of cleveland but once yeah. you start heading toward new york out that way it, it seems like everything gets a little more rugged um we had another email from thomas Mihawk. do you do you have that email in front of you i do oh you know what while you're looking for that we we had a, a two comments one was from mike who sent the email and he said um, oh he meant newfoundland not nova scotia um, oh okay uh and then we had a comment from david otto hi guys any plans on doing anything on the lugaroo slash rugaroo um 
Everyone makes fun of me now when I start talking about how I have these grand ambitions for doing things because of what happened during the Kickstarter episode where I was where I was just talking about all the stuff I'm going to do with On the Trail of. Um, so, uh, Rougarou gets mentioned briefly in Bray Road, doesn't it? Do we do we touch on that? I feel like... Um, yeah, very briefly. Very briefly. It's not. It's nothing yes. in-depth. Um, but it is in, in Bray Road, and it's all kind of connected. Like, I think the Dogman and the Werewolf, American Werewolf and all that. American Werewolf in London. Great movie. Um, uh, You're doing a reboot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, the only thing... I don't know. It, it's a great idea to do a movie. I would have to look into if there are any really uh, active or or cases where I could find enough witnesses to do something on that. But I wouldn't be averse to it because I really think a, a, a deep swamp southern yeah. small town monsters movie about Dogman, uh, Lugaru, Rugaru would be pretty amazing. Um, that would get us back to the deep south, yeah. which would be... Which would be pretty fun, pretty great. Right now, yep. Mark, everything sounds great. Like you could tell, <laughs> you tell me you're going to airdrop me in the middle of the uh, Sahara Desert, and I'd be like, "Oh, that sounds yeah. fantastic! Like, yes. let's do it." Um, <laughs> no, it, it it I would definitely be up for something like that. So I'll actually, uh, I might do some research on that. I'm looking for, I'm looking. It's funny. This is the first time we've been in this situation. I do not have the third movie. This is being completely open with our audience. I did not have our third movie in the Southern Monsters trilogy planned. So the first two are Mothman Legacy and Mark of the Bell Witch. And after that, I've got some vague ideas, but I'm not really sure which way I want to go. So I'm still trying to figure out uh, what the third Southern Monster might be. Um, the The other option would be to, to dive into Luguru Ruguru in, um, in an on-the-trail-of capacity. Mm -hmm. So... On the trail of is, it, and honestly, I really like the idea of doing something like that with on the trail yeah. of because we would be able to go out and go into the swamps and film us going through the swamps looking for, for something that could be really fun. Um, so either well, way, there's probably a whole whole stream of Cajun folklore mm -hmm. there that you know the Rougarou would be just sort of your foot in the door to a whole. Yeah. world of interesting stories yeah so that could be a lot of fun uh mike asked have you considered adding the older story about a wizard slash poltergeist in west virginia for your bell witch movie as background i'm not even sure what you're talking about uh with a wizard but i love wizards so i would i'd be, I'd be all on board uh i'd be all on board for that but um yeah i'm not i'm not really sure i'd have to look into that so, um, do you want to read Tom's email? Sure. Hi, Seth and Mark. I hope you and your families are well and safe during all this craziness. I just wanted to tell you how much I'm enjoying your series about West Virginia monsters, especially the Grafton monster, a sighting I have a particular interest in. There's very little out there about the incident, and I hope you guys touch on it further. Keep up the great work and stay safe. And again, that's from Tom. Thanks, Tom. Uh, the Grafton Monster episode is the biggest episode we've done in like five months. So I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's I don't know if it's... I, I do find that whenever we do a regional monster episode like that, it seems to get a lot of listens. 
Um, so that particular episode is doing very well. For some reason, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but Monsteropolis numbers are the highest they've ever been right now. So I've talked to a lot of podcasting friends who are like, oh, my numbers dropped as soon as the pandemic started and ours skyrocketed. So that's been, <laughs> that's been a good thing in a way. Just I, riding I, the wave. We're just Ooh. riding that pandemic wave. Um, <laughs> thanks, COVID-19. Yeah, wow. Um no, I don't. I, it, it's not just that we're putting out two episodes a month either. I mean, obviously, that's going to raise your numbers even if you lose half of your listeners because it's all going to even out or come out slightly ahead. Um, but yeah, the the numbers have been up for for the show, so we're really excited to have new new people checking in on us and and meeting us. Hopefully, you don't believe that we are self absorbed urban fools, even though we are. <laughs> we can <laughs> we can tend towards that, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, as far as the, the Grafton story, I think I would love to see that archival stuff. Because mm-hmm. that, um, but having said that, I'm not sure how much more of the Grafton monster story there is. Yeah. You know, and, and then having said that, I, I, like we said when we, we did the episode, there's doubtlessly people who were teenagers back then that are still running around and have a story to tell. So that, that could be very interesting if those folks could get tracked down. But other than that, I mean, stuff as far as stuff that's documented, I'm not sure. Um, Beyond the initial encounter, I mean, I know you, there's other sightings of stuff along the river, but I, like I said, the um, the stuff that came out of Gray Barker's uh, files, I would love to see. Okay, so you want to hear this? So, so Les Odell popped into the chat and said it's called Wizard Clip, Seth, and so I I googled that. Um, and it does seem that there is a very popular West Virginia story called The Legend of the Wizard Clip, a popular ghost story about an incident said to have occurred in Middleway, West Virginia in the 1790s. Um, and then it, do you want me to read? Let's just go over this real quick. It's not like we have anything better to do. Uh, <laughs> according to the story, around 1794, a traveling stranger boarded at the house of a former Pennsylvanian named Adam Livingston where he took ill and asked Livingston to bring a Catholic priest. The area was mostly devoid of Catholics and no priest could be found, and the Lutheran Livingston was not enthusiastic about finding one. Ultimately, the stranger died of his illness and was buried nearby without the benefit of a Catholic service. After the stranger died, it is said that candles would not stay lit in the room where his corpse was, sounds of horses galloping and crockery breaking were heard and burning embers jumped from the fireplace heard sounds of heavy shears making clipping noise were heard in various parts of the house and all sorts of materials fabric someone's getting their haircut fabric sheets and boots (laughs) were clipped with half moon shapes and other figures according to the legend the manifestations continued over a period of years causing great distress to the livingston family one often repeated tale is of a visitor who wrapped her new silk cap in a handkerchief to keep it safe while in the Livingston house, but upon her departure, she found the cap had been cut to ribbons. Legends hold that after Livingston implored Father Dennis Cahill, an immigrant Irish priest in Shepherdstown, to visit his house to investigate, Father Cahill sprinkled holy water about the property. Some of the man- manifestations changed and a sum of money that had previously gone missing was deposited on the threshold of the house. Later, Father Cahill returned with Father Demetrius Gallatin, 
Oh, that's, I'm sorry, everyone. Who had heard of the tale of the clip at his home in Kanawago and said a mass at the house and said a mass at the house after which the haunting ceased. Uh, this is off Wikipedia, by the way. The voice. The legend continues to narrate how after the cessation of the wizard clip, supernatural phenomena did not stop on the Livingston property. Soon after Father Galitzin's visit, the family began to hear a consoling voice, a mysterious presence that is said to have remained with them for 17 years. This voice first manifested itself as a bright light that awoke Mr. Livingston from sleep. A clear, sweet voice then told him to arise, call his family together, and to pray. He did so, and the mysterious voice prayed with them, guiding and leading their prayers. The same voice then continued to instruct them in the Catholic faith in the most simple yet eloquent manner. This supernatural visitation, considered by the Livingston family to be the voice of a soul in purgatory, led to their conversion to the Catholic faith. So that is the wizard clip. I don't see a lot of connection there to the bell witch, but it's definitely the voice, I guess, is, is probably the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, interesting story. Thanks for, thanks for pointing us to that, Mike and Les. Um, so, okay. Um, Mark, do you want to, do you want to read this other e email yeah. from Ethan? Yep. Yes. Hi, Seth and Mark. First, thanks for putting out a consistently fun podcast. It's a highlight in my week. Second, I'm wondering if there are any books, movies, or other cultural touchstones that were influential in your youth that you forgot about only for them to reappear later in life. My example of this is the book The Bermuda Triangle, An Incredible Saga of Unexplained Disappearances. This is one of the first books to spark my interest in the paranormal, and in fourth and fifth grade, I'd get scolded by the school librarian for not giving anyone else a chance to read it. I forgot about the book over the years, but it turned up at a used book sale last autumn. I bought it for a quarter, and whenever I look through it now, I feel like I'm 11 years old, passing time on the school bus ride home. Thanks so much, and I hope you, your families, the whole STM gang stay healthy and safe. And that's from Ethan. Let me, uh, real quick, I got a, uh, I have two answers. One is the Sebastian Sheepdog Mysteries, which I had forgot about till the other night when someone posted a picture of their sheep doodle, which I had never seen, but is now my new favorite dog. Um, <laughs> no offense to my dear dogs. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw themselves off the steps again. The other answer is, so I used to, my dad used to take us to the barber shop on Whipple Avenue in Canton, Ohio, and it's still there. I actually really want to take Tommy there to get a haircut at some point because it's like I, it's like a part of my childhood that I would love to be able to take Tommy in there. And I know the guy that used to cut my hair died a long time ago, but they used to have um, a stack of books, and this relates to everything. It probably it could be why I do what I do today. Um, they had a stack of books that sat near a fish tank. There was a fish tank in there, and there was a stack of books that sat. And the, there were these books, and all I remember is they were hardcover, and on the front they had like an image, and each book was about a different weird topic. And I do remember one of them was about alien abduction, and this would have been, keep in mind, like the very early 80s through like the late 80s maybe even early 90s, well, I guess, yeah, into the early 90s, maybe even mid-90s. Um, <clears throat> and I would go in there, and I, they creeped me out. They scared the crap out of me as a kid. And I mm -hmm. remember looking through them being terrified, but there was one that has always stuck with me. And it was about uh, a ghost that would 
it was like one of these ghosts that would be on the road and people would it would like drive like fly into people's cars and there was an illustration <clears throat> it was the illustrations that terrified me as a kid there's an illustration of this couple in this car driving and there was a ghost going through their windshield at them whoa and i can't remember exactly the layout of the illustration or any of that i just remember mm-hmm. it was this couple in a car and a ghost coming into the car and as a kid that absolutely terrified me and that it's stuck it's it hasn't stuck with me forever because i completely forgot about it until i got back in until i got into all this stuff and then all of a sudden like for some reason Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure what that book series was and and Uh. i know that um my friend sarah when i was out in montana she had a a stack of these books that were hard covers that she thought it might be but i flipped around i don't think it was them because apparently there was like a it might have been Time Life or like one of those news magazines had a series of books they would put out about weird subject. And it, mm-hmm. I thought that was it, but then I started looking through them and I was like, I don't think this is it. Anyway, <clears throat> that's the only thing I can think of like that, that I'd completely forgotten about for a long period of time and then it came back way later. And and I honestly think those books could be one of the, one of the things that maybe when I started watching documentaries about this stuff again, Mm-hmm. That might have been one of the reasons. It's kind of, I kind of remembered having an interest as a little kid, very little kid in wow. these books. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, for me, I I have to say, and you know, full disclosure, I've, these interests have been with me more or less always, so I haven't forgotten them. But the the thing I would compare it to is, you know, the book that I always talk about that was supremely influential on me was uh, Marion T. Place on the track of Bigfoot, which I read as a little kid, but it wasn't until um, I was in my fourth year at the seminary, and at that time I lived in northeast Indiana, and my wife-to-be lived in northwest Indiana, and so we would meet for dates in north-central Indiana, and there's really not a whole lot to do in north-central Indiana, but uh, there's, we were in a little town called Plymouth, and we met at a library and um, they had like an ongoing book sale and there on the shelf in this ongoing book sale was a their copy of On the Track of Bigfoot that they were selling. So it's a lot like uh, Ethan's story. I think I bought it for a quarter or 50 cents and immediately was transported back to being four or five years old, you know. And um, so I've come across another library copy of it for sale as well. So I I snatch that up too. But it it is so amazing to kind of how how that imprints on you. How like in your case, and the, the, that image has stuck with you. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it's always been you know the first chapter of On the Track of Bigfoot starts out with uh, just place describes the terrain of Northern California. And I remember as I was growing up, first time I read that book, I was living in the Detroit area. So um, all this description of mountains and, you know, evergreens and just vast spaces was very fascinating to me. And going back and reading that now, I can sort of see how that just got locked in as, you know, something I have to go see someday in a, a just location that I would always be interested in so it's it, it's fun to sort of trace that mental development but but certainly you know that was 
there, there are a number of things in my life that I was interested in, always have been, but those get put on the back burner for various life reasons. But then a lot of it for me was connected to, um, you know, when Andy came along, then all of a sudden there was a, there was a defensible reason to get interested in Godzilla again and get interested in Bigfoot again. And, um, so those resources were there when the time was right. So I, I, that that was fun sort of reliving that whole process. Uh, Patrick Patterson dropped a, a comment in the chat. Any interest in looking at demonic topics, possessions, exorcisms, etc.? I think Mark could bring an interesting and informed perspective to this. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing in the in the planning stages yet. I mean, you get into these topics. Whoops, you get into these topics in unexpected ways. Like I think we dabbled with those topics a little bit in Bray Road Beast and that was not like something yeah. we had really planned on getting into until you got into the into the story. And and honestly just like I don't know how you are, Mark, but like my own interests don't go in that direction. Like I, I've mm-hmm. never been super into those those you know, like exorcisms and possessions and stuff. Mostly because right. it just freaks me out. Um yeah. and and so there isn't the fun aspect of like the research and all that kind of stuff when it comes to those stories. So that's why I've never really looked in those directions. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't think I would shut it down and, and refuse to go mm-hmm. and, and do a movie about something like that if, if I felt led to. But so far I haven't, I haven't seen a story or anything that really drew me to, to make yeah. you know film about it. Yeah. I, you know, I definitely went through a phase where I, was intensely interested in it but you know i'm reminded of i think it was c.s lewis who said something along the lines of uh you know in 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 dealing with demonic topics and topics about you know evil and and uh, the devil and things of that nature there's really two mistakes that you can make one is to act like it doesn't exist at all and it's not a factor whatsoever the other mistake is to become so interested in it that you kind of you know, fall into the abyss, as it were. And I think that's that's the caution that I always have in approaching those topics is, you know, everything that I, when I, you get deeply into the subject, and there's definitely a cautionary um, aspect to a lot of what you hear and read in, in terms of, you know, um, the idea that you could, you know, bring something home, essentially, is <laughs> something that I don't want any part of. Yeah. And I think that you... My my point of view on that is that you're you're opening yourself up to something like that if you get too far into uh, a deep discussion of it or a deep interest in it. My own personal experience that I've talked about on this show is um, dealing with people for whom that is a reality, and whether they intended to or not, they opened the door to forces that they have no control over in their lives and i've seen what that's done to them and i I, there's a sensitivity there for me so maybe that what patrick's talking about is that's part of the what he's talking and referencing is the perspective on it Mm -hmm. but um again i I guess i'm i'm with you on that i'm not against it Mm -hmm. but i would definitely have um i would have a few reservations in um approaching it and sort of um publicizing the fact that you know hey i'm involved in making a movie about demonic forces i think i'd have to i would personally have to be very careful about such a thing 
Um, yeah, that's that is a good question, though. I mean, it's we get asked a lot why we haven't done more in the supernatural realm. Honestly, I don't know how how your interests run, Mark. Mine have never gone that far toward the supernatural, I, you know, like ghosts and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I think it's demonic. I just haven't. Yeah, I just have my. It just hasn't drawn me in like UFOs and ghosts and cryptids have. Um, yeah, and I think the the interesting thing about the Bell Witch and the way the Bell Witch differs from me is it's so historically based that that it seems like a lot is up for interpretation. And I'm I'm very interested to sort of see. Like you got to be careful in the way I word this. Not pit them against each other, but I'm really interested in seeing the way different historians retell that story compared to other historians and and sort of mm-hmm. the, what a, what a lot of those people might think is behind it so yeah um valentine commented uh you guys rock keep up the great work um i got to hang with val i think last year at the um at the uh pennsylvania oh, okay yeah the the eric altman's event um I, I believe his daughter found a track. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, she found a track on the grounds, and it was a cool track too. So nice. Yeah, you uh, saw it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was cool. Cool. Um, I think that does it for this week's show. That that covers that covers all the emails. We got some cool yeah. comments in the in the in the chat I've here. I got one last one. Oh, if you okay, that's right. I forgot it's about yeah, the banshee to, screen. Yes, do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It says uh, this is from Joel. And he posted this to Small Town Monsters community. Glad you guys touched on the Fae a bit. And hopefully we'll continue in the future. I think it's funny that there's a wealth of stories associated with abductions over the centuries. And it only became aliens when we approached the space age. Heck, even Rip Van Winkle is an abduction story. Complete with the little people in the woods, the fairy circle slash landing ring and missing time. So many things link these stories with fairies and aliens, but most folks separate them, thinking that the phenomenon is more scientific if it's aliens. Never mind that we've recreated the abduction effect through electromagnetic means, cementing the thought that abductions take place solely in the mind as a product of temporal lobe epilepsy. Hmm. We get more comments on... on um abduction and the fae we've had a ton of people message me or i've had a ton of people message me in comments on uh, relating back to the fae i think there's a very big interest in that topic we need to get adrian on the show to tell her fae story as well Um, yes what's very interesting about this is there her mother remembers events very differently from her and Hmm. and what her mom remembers is is almost more ludicrous (laughs) I don't know. Really? I don't know how to put it. Um, Do you think we could get her on? We could. Would she come on here? Probably not. But we could. I could. No. Tr- I could try to. I could try to record something separately. Um, okay. And to kind of have them both tell the story. But her mom seems to recall carrying a body of this thing. So. So wow. and taking. Where did this take place? This took place uh, up near Springfield, Ohio. Okay. So, so, okay. Yeah, not far from me. I mean, twenty five minutes from where i live so yeah they they um they both recall seeing it and it was flying around the garage erratically and her mother believes it died in the garage and then they took the body to see um to show it to her grandpa to see if he could identify it um you know and they talked about luna moths because that was like the big thing but it's not what um I think Adrian sent a picture of Luna Moth to her mom, and her mom's like, "Yeah, that's not what it was." 
So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's really a weird, weird story, yeah, <laughs> evolving <awesome>. story, <laughs> right? Uh, but maybe, maybe we'll get. I, Adrian just mentioned it tonight, so we'll try to get her on the show, and then we can do another okay. um, fairy or fae episode of the show. So that would be fun. I and that's the the thing about that that's sort of intimidating is how huge a topic that really is. Mm-hmm. I mean that goes back so far and is so deep and wide that I don't it, you know it's just it's I'd almost Joel's right I mean it undergirds a lot of things that we talk about all the time. Yeah, I'd almost want to focus on different aspects per episode. Like you can't just saying fae kind of draws in all the really like the yeah. the, the folklore relating to little people in the forest. I'm more interested if we had Adrian on, it'd almost be cool to do an episode that's more about fairies, like the, the flying, sure. you know, the, the, and, yeah. and maybe try to keep it relegated to America and like North America and fairies that, you know, like real, real world fairy sighting of that. So, mm-hmm. um, Les said, great show. Thanks for tuning in again, Les. Uh, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping as soon as all this craziness ends that you and, uh, that I can get out in the woods with less to do some on the trail of big things. So, um, but thanks, thanks to everyone that wrote in and, uh, and we'll be back with, uh, with more of this, this wild monstropolis ride that we're on for recording two episodes <laughs> a week. Um, the leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can send email to monstropolis mail at gmail.com. And I think that covers it. Oh, you can see on the trail of UFOs still on Amazon if you haven't seen it yet check it out um, and we have announcements coming about stuff we're just kind of still everything's in flux obviously so we're kind of like waiting to see what happens but we do have Monsteropolis or uh, not Monsteropolis we still have um, uh, announcements relating directly to um, on the trail of that we're excited to make whenever we get all this stuff figured out so mm-hmm. alright any any closing thoughts Mark as I before I shut this down uh, no, I just, I'm happy to have a show like this is a lot of fun tonight with, uh, um, you know, talking to Andrew first, of course, but the, just the listener letters, I'm just, I'm still amazed that people care enough to send us letters mm-hmm. and interact with us on, on, uh, online and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's a community for sure of, um, a lot of cool people who take the time to sit down and write and like hearing that tonight about uh, making a little uh, family appointment to listen um, right now that means more than it ever has so just uh, thanks to everybody who tunes in and who who downloads the show and listens it, it's a lot of fun to think about the people on the other end of the line yep so be yeah. safe out there and be well for sure all right I'm gonna close down the broadcast thanks for tuning in live Facebook yeah. audience Thank you. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.